Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. But hey, in this season, we're in this season of, of focusing on, on, on reaching those far from God. It's what we're talking about a lot and, and, and we're, we're trying to bring it back into the, the forefront of our attention. You know, even across this Christmas scene, there's so many opportunities to be involved with church initiatives to reach those far from God, you know. And look, this, this is an all the time thing. Evangelism is an all the time thing, but, but we dedicate a season to it at church because sometimes we need some reminding and, and some stirring and some equipping. Am I, am I right? And I really just believe prophetically, like across the globe, God is, is wanting to stir His church again to have a heart for the lost. And I see it across the board. And so we need to lead into that. And, and as, as I've been reflecting on this season and just chatting it through with God and my journey around evangelism and things like that, I, I felt to ask this question, why don't we share the gospel more? Like, why, why, why don't, what, what holds us back from those opportunities when we know God is prompting us to, to step out and say something or, or, or to be real intentional, let's pray for someone or do something that kind of puts our faith a little bit out on a limb and, and you know, what holds us back or, or what causes us to not even perceive the opportunities altogether, to not even think about it. We just go to work, we go through our routine day in, day out, and before we know it, months have passed and we haven't even thought about telling someone that doesn't know Jesus about Jesus. And so, you know, when I think about the missing of opportunities, I think that draws me back to what Pastor Ken preached about a few weeks ago, this whole idea of maybe we're, we're not even perceiving opportunities because in those moments, what matters most to God maybe doesn't really matter to us. Yeah, yeah? And, and, and if you miss that message, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, it's an incredible word. It's a prophetic word. It's a leadership word for our church and where God is pulling us into. But it really wrecked me. And so I, I saw, okay, I feel like that's kind of addressed, but what about this whole thing of just holding back from actually taking those opportunities that, are, that you know, and I thought about that and I was like, I think it's because often we think we don't know what to say. Well, what do I say? How do I, how do I go there? How do I start this conversation? I don't know what to do, you know, and then you have these, these doubts and these fears come in, like what, what are they going to think? Or what if this just makes the relationship really awkward? I have to work next to this person every day. That's going to be weird. I might just, what if I fall flat on my face or I get rejected? And then for me, I start to, to think of these excuses of, ah, you know, I've got work to do. It's not really the right time or I'm on my home, way home from work. I just, I need to get home to the family. I've got to do family time well, you know, because, you know, my wife would probably be really, really mad if I was five minutes late to get home because I was talking to someone about Jesus, you know, like, <laughs> what the excuses we come up with. And then, and then for me, <clears throat> I then go on their behalf and, and, and assume what their response would be and as to why it's not a good idea. Ah, I've tried to talk to them about this before. They just weren't interested or, you know, they, they, they're probably not open to it or, or whatever it is. And we can sum up these kind of, these reasons, <clears throat> I believe, into two categories. One is the feeling of, of being unqualified. You know, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I have this person that I see all the time or, or, or whatever the context may be. How do I take them from this place of not knowing God to like here with me at church, worshiping God, loving Jesus or praying that prayer? How do I get from there to there? Like I have no idea, right? I don't know what to do. I don't have the skills. I haven't got training or I've heard about it a million times. I still don't feel like I can do it, right? And the second is we're just afraid. We fear. We fear what people think. We worry about what might happen, how it'll pan out, rejection, failure. And so I felt God lead me to a passage, which I believe is going to set us free from both of these issues today. 
And I want you to leave knowing you are qualified to reach those far from God and you don't need to be afraid in the realm of reaching those far from Him. Wouldn't that be awesome to walk away with that? Come on, let's pray. Let's pray for that. Father God, minister to us today. God, help us to be more like you. Help us to be active in reaching those far from God. And I pray that today you would speak to us. You would break off fear. You would break off this this false belief that we're not qualified to do this. And God, we pray that we would see your power move through us to bring the lost home, God. Lord, we just, you said the harvest is ready, God. We pray that as we walk out of here today, we would be ready to go out into the harvest and be your workers. God, would you bring them home? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You see, our relationship with Jesus is this journey of knowing Him, of going deeper. You know, He's the way, the truth, and the life. And the more we discover these truths, it says the truth will set us free, right? The greater the revelation means the greater the freedom in that area. For example, if you really worry about about finance, about provision, about not having enough, Well, it's not until you have a revelation that He is Jehovah Jireh. He is provider. You seek Him first. You you tithe. You honor Him first. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and He'll take care of everything else, right? It's not until you get that revelation and you apply it and it becomes a conviction that you get free from that worry. I don't have to worry at all about finance. That is who my God is, right? It's the same for evangelism, right? If we can get some revelation in this area, It'll set us free from feeling unqualified and afraid, right? And as our revelation increases, our freedom increases, and we become more and more effective in fulfilling this mandate of Christ. So let's go to the Word and stand on some truth. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 to 11. After his suffering, this is Jesus talking, he's he's died, he's risen again, and this is the exciting times before he cruises on up to heaven. It says, He presented Himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that He was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while He was eating with them, oh man, I just stop and imagine that. Imagine sitting eating with Jesus. Like you watched Him get like whipped and beaten, hung on the cross, like spear in the side. You watched Him die. He was placed in the tomb. He was dead and gone for three days. And now we're eating together. Like how amazing is that? I was reflecting on this and I was like, I remember when my wife and I, we got married and it was really exciting. And like we wake up together, we have breakfast together. It's like, I can't believe we're married. I can't believe, you know, that sense of, oh, I can't believe it. Now it's just like, hey, what's up, morning. You know, but, but in that, moment. It was like, I can't believe it. Well, she didn't even die and raise again three days later. This is way better than that. This is way more awesome, right? Anyways, stay on track, Shannon. Um, Eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? It's not, no, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power. Someone say, receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes. Someone say, when the Holy Spirit comes. Good energy, Hannah. On you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Someone say, earth. Yeah, you didn't need to say that. I was just playing around. Okay, sorry. So I won't abuse my powers. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Like a little, ah, like amazing, right? They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, 
right? They definitely weren't distracted with anything else. They were, wow. When suddenly two men dressed in white, probably angels, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Wow, what a passage of scripture. I think that's really humorous. Some things in the Bible I think are quite funny to read. I think the angels have gotten a little over familiar with the supernatural reality of God because they're going to these guys, why are you standing looking into the sky? I'll tell you why. Jesus just floated off and disappeared in a cloud. Like, let me take that in for a second. Oh my goodness. You know, or, or maybe they're thinking, wait, wait, hang on. You said power to come, be witnesses, and then what? Where are you going? What, what's going on? It's just, it's just us now? Like, let me process. Like, oh my goodness, there's a lot happening, right? But for us, we're in hindsight, not exciting, obviously. Um, you know, Jesus says, right, this is what he says. Wait for the gift I've promised for you. Then in verse 8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people everywhere, telling people about me everywhere. Now, understand that Jesus doesn't say, oh, look, you, there's a real chance you could receive some power or like a few of you will get some power to be my witnesses or look I might I'm still trying to decide what's going to be the best way to do this I might give you some power or maybe how many bible verses do you guys know yeah you have some power maybe not no there's it's clearly a promise when the holy spirit comes upon you you will receive power to be my witness he's not asking us to go and save the world and like all the best to you see how you go just have a go I love you anyways you know no he promises to be with us he's promising us power so we can get it done straight away this confronts our feelings of being unqualified and afraid you see the disciples right they were just starting off, right? They had no past reference to really go by. They didn't have a great church to partner with or some worship teams, a foster families event to go and do. Like, this was all new and foreign. And just before these times, they were being with resurrected Jesus, just before that, they were like, ah, oh, we just go back fishing. They were lost and defeated. There was, it was not like they're, they're building up for a revival. Church is about to happen, just waiting for Jesus to kind of come out and then we're good to go. No, they were pretty lost and defeated. There was no sense of revival on the, on the cusp, Right? But then you look at Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit comes and they are filled with power and we see the birth of the church. We see that now overflow into you and I knowing Jesus today, right? Because of what happened in that space. That is wild, right? And the only thing that changed was the empowering of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is promising right here. This is great news because you and I, we can kind of admit we're not really qualified. I, I, don't, I don't know how to reach your workplace. I don't know how to see your workplace. So I can't come and give you here five tips. We'll be saved in a week. Great. No, no. Like I don't know how to, how to see my street get saved. We just bought a house, praise God, and uh, we're in a cul-de-sac. So there's probably only about 10 houses. I thank God for that because praying for a street to get saved, 10 is a bit more manageable than being on like Canning Highway and there's thousands of houses, right? So we'll start, we'll start with that. But I don't know. I don't know how to get my basketball mates saved or my in-laws, right? Like, yet... As we catch a revelation of the Holy Spirit's promised empowering, well, that dispels any sense of disqualification, any sense of, I don't know what to say, what to do, how to go about it. You see, that word power is dunamis, right? Which means miraculous power, strength. It means ability. Someone say ability. 
right? Ability, wonderful works, right? Where you don't have the ability, you have His power. You have Holy Spirit ability, right? Thank God the Holy Spirit will do a wonderful work. This is our qualification. We don't have to have it. He has it. He's going to do it, right? Now, as we learn this, that the Holy Spirit is our qualification, well, then we have no reason to be afraid, right? Because, all right, if it's on our own, good luck to you, then you would be afraid because it's a, you, that's overwhelming. It's you against the big bad world that doesn't know Jesus, right? Like, but when you know, when you have a revelation that you're qualified by the Holy Spirit, you're equipped with His power, He's got ability, wonderful works for you, then I don't have to be afraid of anything. Do you see how this disarms our fear? Right? The greater the revelation of this truth, the greater the freedom for us to reach the loss. Are you getting this? Right? You don't need to be a super evangelist preacher, do ya ya hooray. Like, no, you just need to stand on this promise that he's power for you to witness. Isn't that so empowering? Right? Oh, but isn't this just for the really like full-on evangelist types? Feel really confident, good at speaking, Pastor Shannon. No, I'm not sure if this is something for me. I'm just a regular Joe. Well, I got news for you, Joe. Like the, this power is for every believer, right? I know that because the word says in Acts chapter two that He will pour out His Spirit on all flesh, on sons and daughters, on servants and nobodies. Right? It doesn't matter who you are. If you believe in Jesus, His power is available to you through the Holy Spirit. It's a promise and God doesn't break his promises. Let's just sidestep for a second here. We love to see the outworking of the power of the Holy Spirit. But let's just be clear on what this passage here is saying. You receive power to be my witnesses, right? The power is for purpose. It's not just for our own little comfort. It's not for us to just gather in the four walls of church. Let's just have real fun and have our own little miracles. And isn't this great, guys? You know, we're all just doing this together. No, you know, it, it, we all love miracles. And, and, but there to be signs and wonders that point people to Christ. That, that, you know, God is so committed. You know, in Second Peter, it talks about we have divine power to live a godly life, right? To, be, to become all that he's called us to be, to set free from stuff, all that. That's just not so you can feel good about yourself. It's so that can be a testimony that can bring glory to God to people that don't know him and aren't in that space of freedom or, or breakthrough that you've had. Amen? The purpose of the power is to project Christ to our worlds. So if I can be clear. If we receive the Holy Spirit, His promise is power, not for a comfortable life, but to be His witnesses to a lost and broken humanity desperate for a Savior. You know, the other week I was in a, a furniture store because we bought a house and looking at all these furniture I can't afford. And uh, I, I ran into this guy that was working there. And I used to go to church with him when we were kids. And I remember he was the kid that had all the really cool toys. So I wanted to go to his house to play. And, and then the next time I saw him, like he fell away from church, I moved church and things. Um, the next time I saw him, I was a Domino's delivery driver and he tried to steal my pizzas from me. And he's like, oh, this is awkward because I know you. Um, what are we doing now? And that gives you an idea of the journey. He's, he's gone and he's, he's got this job at the furniture store. And I was like, well, when am I ever going to see this guy again? I've got I to gotta say something. So I invited him to church and, and um, he said some things that I can't say from the stage. But in essence, it was no. Um, and... <laughs> Then I was like, hey, that's okay, like, I'm okay with that, and we chatted a bit more, it was a really good chat, and, and I just tried to throw in some more things about God, and, you know, he's like, yeah, everyone's crazy, I was like, yeah, that's why we need Jesus, hey, and, you know, threw that one in there, like, he's going to get, you know, and, 
I walked away from that reflecting and I was like, good on you, Shannon, for stepping out. <laughs> but um, as I just reflected on this scripture, that promise of power, I think I did great that I wasn't afraid. Like, I was like, okay, I've got to seize the opportunity. Like, when am I going to see this guy again? I can't afford any of this furniture. I'm not coming back, right? When am I going to see this guy? <laughs> I have to have it. But I realized I wasn't really exercising the full faith of like, hey, there's a promised power here, like ability, that wonderful works. God is going to do something. Like, I wasn't really leaning into that. And so that helps me realize, okay, I'm on the journey of this. I'm still learning. What does it mean to fully have this revelation of His promised power, that ability, that wonderful works? Because when that prompting comes... Well, there's an opportunity to say something to your neighbor or your co-worker, to, to go out on a limb instead of us trying to figure out how to go about it or thinking we really know what to say, right? Like, or creating reasons why not to talk to them or not to go there, right? Let's just stand on this revelation that God has promised power for us to be His witness, for His wonderful work, His ability to go to work for us on our behalf, right? A revelation of the promised power of the Holy Spirit will set us free from feeling afraid and feeling unqualified. Now, once we stand on this truth, right, then we must learn to partner with his power, right? Otherwise, well, can't I just walk up to like a bunch of heathens, people that don't know Jesus, whatever, and say, Jesus loves you, and then wham, bam, power of the Holy Spirit, thank you, man, they're on their knees, oh, Jesus, we just love you, like, power of the Holy Spirit, it's the promise, right? Look, you could try that. Like, I'm not, like, if that's what you feel prompted to do, then by all means. But, but it's actually about us learning now. If we're standing on that promise of power, now how do I partner with it? Holy Spirit, how do I partner with you and what you want to I don't want to steamroll people and just, oh, I got power. So you just need to know Jesus. Come and repent, get saved. That's it, power. Whew, you know, like, we got to learn. And so that's the title of my message, Partner with Power. Okay? The book of Acts. This is our example for one, how to outwork this new covenant in Christ, but also of how to operate in this power to be as witnesses. It's full of people stepping out and partnering with the power of the Holy Spirit. So many accounts of what it looks like to partner with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to look at three that are going to give us three keys for how we can partner with the power. Is that okay? First up, we're going to look at Peter and John when they're witnessing to the high priests and religious leaders. This is just after they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. They go up, there's a man that can't walk. He gets healed. That's an opportunity to present the gospel. Thousands get saved and the religious leaders don't like it. Here we go, Acts chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Jump to verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power, clearly there's a power here, or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, and he goes on to have this incredible uh, monologue to these guys, super courageous. Then verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, Ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Point number one, be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at Peter, standing witnessing to these, these top dogs that could really mess him up, right? Pre-Holy Spirit Peter 
was not that kind of guy. He was stuffing it up all day, not know what, saying the right things. He denied Jesus three times to just some random common folk, right? Now he's before the big dogs, right? And not scared, not denying, okay, no, no, never mind. Like, about, no, he's preaching with courage. What was the difference? Filled. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the only difference, the only contrast. We got to get filled, right? That's how we step into this dunamis, this ability, this wonderful work where people are astonished because, hang on, you're not that great. But what's coming out of you? Wow, that's great. I want that. And that's what it looks like is, is for us leaning in, saying, Jesus, every day I need you. I need to come and be with the Holy Spirit. Fill me. God, not my will, but yours. I want to abide in you. You know, I, I think about that Snickers ad. You're not yourself when you're hungry, right? Like you, you won't be an effective witness if you're empty, right? Like you're not, you're, you're not who God's called you to be, right? Be filled of the Holy Spirit. That's why starting our day off with him like in that time in prayer is so important, Right? Because we won't partner with the Holy Spirit if we're not aligned, right? If we're not filled. You know, some of you, you just need to make some space. Make some space to let God minister, fill you up because you're so caught in everything that's going on. Come and be filled. God, what are you doing? Fill me up. Being in God's house, being at Kinect, being at Revival Prayer Nights, being wherever there's a moving and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need to be in those spaces because I can't afford to be empty. The lost need me filled, amen? Jesus says in John 7, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Anyone, come and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. See, if we're not coming to him to be filled, we can't expect the Holy Spirit to be flowing out of us, yes. right? The promise is for his power, but we must partner with him to allow it to flow through us. Right? Some of us just need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit today so we can be effective witnesses. But the question is, are you hungry? Are you hungry for the Holy Spirit to fill you? Do you recognize the urgency of why we need him to fill us? It's essential to us fulfilling the very reason why we're still here on earth is to reach those that don't know God yet. Otherwise, even with the greatest intentions to see the lost found, you'll struggle and you'll fall back into feeling unqualified and afraid. I tried, it didn't work, nothing's happening, it's never going to happen, I just will stop and I'll silence myself, right? Second key, so first key, be filled. Second, we see in the account of Philip. Philip shares the gospel with and, and baptizes this Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasure of Ethiopia, a, uni a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake. I don't know if I said that right. The queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So all this tells us he's a very devout Jew. Like he's traveled to, to worship. He's reading Isaiah, devout Jew, right? The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? Jump to 35. So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. The Holy Spirit prompted Philip where to go and what to do because he was alert. 
He was tuning in. Second point, we've got to be alert. We've got to be tuning in. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you doing? What are the opportunities for today? What, how, how, can I, how can I engage with this person? Right? What do you want to say? He could have, you know, he could have got up, caught up in the fact that this guy is the treasurer for a foreign country. There's barriers of ethnicity, of, 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 of status, of wealth in the way. Like, this is a big deal. This is really intimidating. But no, his focus was not on the situation, the circumstance, or on his reputation or his status. But it was on what the Holy Spirit was saying and doing. Partnering with power looks like us listening to what he wants to do. What is he saying? What are the opportunities for today? Is that a dialogue that you're having with the Holy Spirit each day? Be filled, be alert. And lastly, I want to look at Ananias. He gets sent to pray for Paul. This is when Paul is functioning as the Christian persecutor, trying to kill Christians, lock them up, shut it down. He encounters Jesus on, on the road to Damascus and he's left blind. And in essence, Ananias is kind of sent to seal the deal of his conversion to following Christ. In Acts chapter 9, the Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. This is talking to, to Ananias. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Now, the moment he would have heard that, oh, that's fear. That's, oh my goodness, this, is, this guy, I don't want to go near him. We're all hiding from this guy, right? He's praying to me right now, and I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Verse 17, so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, oh, this is like a really awesome preaching message. You guys should take this and try it. You know, like I'm being sarcastic. You'll see brother Saul the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Ananias got a word from God. He obeyed, even though it was against his comfort and against all sound judgment. He partnered with the Holy Spirit through obedience and the Holy Spirit's power rocked up and did the rest. Number three, be Obedient. Be obedient. Step out. Do what is being asked of you. When you tune in, when you're filled, you're hearing so much easier. When you're tuned in, you got to then go. You got to do it, right? Trust the promise of His power to go to work in that space. This is much easier to do when we have that revelation of His power and when we're filled and alert. You know, how's that for a praise report, hey? And a nice going back, hey, you remember that guy that was trying to lock us up, take us out? Well, God just sent me and, and this, the power of God just rocked up and he was blind and he could see and now he's following Jesus. Like, praise God, right? Like, stay humble. It wasn't me. It was all God. I just was obedient, right? But, but that's the promise, right? You will receive power yes. to be my witnesses, right? We've got to partner with the power. We've got to be filled. We've got to be alert. We've got to be obedient because the harvest is now, amen? You know, one extra thought I want to give you is it's about the power, not the presentation. You see, what I, what I mean by that is it's not about your awesome words. It's not about you being able to articulate your testimony really good or, 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 or nail the Romans road kind of gospel track thing. You, know, you don't have to be amazing at knowing what to say. Praise God. Because in those moments, I'm like, I don't know what to say, right? Because what you say and what you do when you're filled and you're being obedient is just the vessel which God's power is going to work through. 
That takes the pressure off, right? Like, look at what Ananias said. It was nothing fancy. It was nothing amazing. It wasn't this big wham-bam story. He had a little emotion and then there was a, you know, it was just, he just did what God said to do. And we don't even know what Philip said. I guess it wasn't even worth noting. And there's so many other accounts in Acts because it's not about what to say or how to say it. It's not, here's your method, say this, then this, and this, and they'll get saved. No, but it's about trusting the empowering of the Holy Spirit in us to witness and partnering with Him. You know, Paul helps us out big time when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's, what? God's power. We don't need to, and we probably won't be successful in reaching people if we're trying to use our human wisdom and eloquence. No, no, I know what to say. I got this. You'll probably knock them over and they'll say, no, get out of here. I don't want to hear that, right? It's that tuning in and saying, okay, God, I need you to move in this space. What do you want to say? What do you want to do? I'm partnering with you because I don't know the best way to go about this. You know, we hear again and again, you know, from Matthew 9, the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. And that's us. We're those workers. He's looking for us to step up. But I love in First and Second Corinthians, there's a beautiful truth that helps us. And it talks about the fact that we are God's co-workers. So that means he's ready to get into the field and work with us, right? He's, if we're prepared to do something, he's prepared to come alongside us and partner with us. Amen. His power takes the pressure off. I don't need to be a super evangelist. I just need to partner with his power. You know, when I was in Cambodia, I went to prison. I didn't do anything. I went to visit someone. Yeah, geez, wow, this story just gets better. And um, we went to see uh, one of our church members, her son, who was 15, and um, he had stolen a motorbike or his friend had or whatever, and and prisons in Cambodia are rough. Uh, He was sharing a room with a drug dealer and a murderer, and they would beat him up every single day because if they beat him up, then he would tell his mom and they would tell him, get money from your mom to give to us. And this just this messy thing. And I remember we had to bribe our way through each checkpoint because I'm a foreigner and foreigner spells dollars, right? And so we had to get through. We get to this place and, and he comes out and he's, and he's limping because he's had his knee smashed in and, and he's been smacked in the head with a frying pan. And, and I look at this just defeated 15-year-old kid and I'm like, what on earth? Do I ha- what do I say to help this guy? I have zero comprehension of what he's going through right now. I had never been through anything where I would wonder if I'm going to get rice for the day. And I just felt as I was just leaning and going, what do you want to do? How do you want to, what do you want to say? I just felt God say, tell him about David. So I began to tell him about David being surrounded by his enemies, being hunted, and God, as he held on to God, God protected him, and, and that the promise for David was to be king, and even with all this going on, those plans still came to be, and just encouraging that God's got plans for you, even though it doesn't look like it, he does. And, you know, and it came to this point where they said, all right, he's got to go. This was all through translator, and, and as, as he stood up to leave, he just grabbed me and just began to bawl his eyes out on my shoulders, and... You know, I'll never, ever forget that moment for the rest of my life. It gives me goosebumps every time. But all I did, I just partnered with the Holy Spirit. God, what are you saying? What are you doing? I don't know. And he, God just began to move. And I would love to tell you, oh, you know, he's key part of our church now. He's preaching next week or whatever. But actually, he got out quite soon after. That was a miracle too. And, and um, he had to move to the province to find work and that kind of thing. And I actually never saw him again. And the beautiful thing about that is that we aren't responsible for the results. 
We aren't responsible for the results. We're to be filled, we're to be listening, and we'll be obedient and to trust Him with the rest, right? That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow, right? So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters anything, but only God who makes things grow. We sow and we water, but God is responsible for the growth, for the fruit, right? Wow, that's another truth that really takes the pressure off, hey? We got nothing holding us back from getting out there and reaching those far from God. But we got to give him something to work with. We got to be sowing. We got to be watering. He wants to partner with that. The promise is the power. But are we doing anything about it? Worship team, you guys can come join me. You know, we don't know much about Ananias, who he was, or, you know, I kind of look at this passion. I think he's just an everyday Christian, just like you and me. But he just partnered with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he played a part in the radical transformation of Paul. Now, most of these scriptures I've read today have been written by Paul. And he went on to plant church upon church and, and, and this apostolic leader and influence. Man, because of Ananias' obedience. Like, because he just, so, just recognised, wow, there's a promise of power. I'm going to partner with that. And let's see what God can do. Imagine who could be on the other side of your partnering with His power. What God would want to do in them and also through them, their destiny, what, what God has for their lives seeing them reach across their spheres of influence, becoming evangelists, apostles, you never know. You know, I think about Philip. He just, God said, go. He was actually ministering in Samaria, having a lot of wins, people getting saved, but then God says, goes this way. And he meets this Ethiopian who then took the gospel of Jesus Christ into Ethiopia because of Philip being, being filled, being obedient, choosing a partner with. Imagine what nations we could see reached if we just had this revelation of the Holy Spirit's power, you know, we're doing these missions trip, you know, who you are, the people you're connected with. Carlos and Bibiana, there's Colombians, you know, you know seeing that go into Colombia, you know, across the countries. We've got to catch this, amen? It's time to partner with His power, amen? Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.